Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Man, I'm excited because I get to kick off a series about relationships, and I don't think there's a better weekend to do it than Valentine's Day weekend. I see a lot of red. I see some pink out there. Come on, who wants some, some Romolo's chocolate? We got some Romolo's chocolate people. Or Polacos, isn't that the other one? Put it in the chat if you're online watching. What's your favorite, Romolo's or Polacos? Let us know. Like, Valentine's Day is a great a great day to celebrate, a lot of love in the air. There's, you know, got cards and flowers and all that good stuff. But can I tell you about, I don't know, two or three years ago, my wife told me, she said, hey, this year, let's not do anything for each other on Valentine's Day. And I believed her. <laughs> it is a trap. Somebody says it's a trap. And I'm like, all right, so nothing means nothing to me, right? I'm like, we made a commitment, we promised each other, it was just gonna be any other kind of, of day, so I went to work, I think I even got home a little bit late because, you know, it's just a normal day. And I walk inside and there on the, the island was a gift and a card. And I'm like, wait, 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 you said no gifts. And she's like, I never said that, you liar, you did say that. And so this year, can I tell you something? I was ready for it. Like, I was on point. I got, I got what she wanted. I got some Reese's peanut butter cups. Come on, somebody. Because you got to know what your girl likes, right? You got to do what she wants. I was ready to go. You know, I got some other things for her. I'm like, let's go. This Valentine's Day, it's on. Now, let me first say that I know for some of you, Valentine's Day might not be that special. Maybe even this year. Maybe you're going through a stage or a phase in life, right? And it's just, it's, it's that single awareness kind of day. And let me just say, I, I get it. I was right there with you. I had like a two to three year stretch where I was like, uh, I'm gonna be my own Valentine. Colby, will you be my Valentine? I'm like, I got you, bro. I got you. I'll be your Valentine. <laughs> so I understand that. And that's a great place to be. There's nothing wrong with that. But for many of you, it's a special day. Like you got your song. How many of you have a, a song together? You got like your couple song? Couple people do. And let us know what your song is online if you're watching. Put it in the chat, like what your, your song is. We got a song. You know what our song is? From this moment, come on, somebody. From this moment. We danced to that on our, on our wedding day. I mean, that was like our song, but some of you, you got a song, you're all ready to go. I was talking to a friend of mine who, uh, he got married later on in life, and this was his first Valentine's Day, and I, and I was talking to him, like, brother, don't fall for the let's not do anything trap on Valentine's, all right? Make sure you do something. He's like, I'm ready. I think I got this. I got flowers. I got the card. I went to, you know, I got the big heart-shaped candy box, and I got a candy. He said, I went to Rite Aid, and I blew it up. <laughs> I spent like a Benjamin at Rite Aid. I got everything, and I'm like, well, that's awesome, man. You're ready to go. Do you have a song? He's like, I don't have a song. I'm like, well, you need a song. You better get a song. So he goes online, finds a song, calls me the next day, and he's like, I found our song. I'm like, all right, what's your song? He said, it's Michael Bolton, When a Man Loves uh, and I'm like, let me stop you right there. That's not your song. What do you mean? I'm like, that's not your song. Did you listen to the song? Have you read the lyrics to the song? That's a bad song, brother. Don't make that your, your song. And so I downloaded the lyrics. And I'm like, here's what you're fixing to do. Let me tell you what's about to happen in your life. Here's the lyrics. Listen up. When a man loves a woman, can't keep his mind on nothing else. He'd trade the world for the good thing he's found. All right, so far, so good, not that big of a deal. If she is bad, he can't see it. 
she can do no wrong. You sure you want to say that? (laughs) And turn his back on his best friend if he puts her down. When a man loves a woman, spend his very last dime. Can I get a witness in the house? Mm, Lord. And trying to hold on to what he needs, he give up all his comforts and, listen to this, sleep out in the rain if she said that's the way it ought to be. Let me tell you something, girlfriend. That ain't the way it's going to be. I pay the mortgage. I ain't sleeping out in no rain. Are you with me? I might sleep on the couch if I got to sleep on the couch. I ain't sleeping out in no rain. I'm like, get you another song, bro. That's not your song. The reality is many of us, we don't just need a new love song. We need a new love story. We need a new love story. And in this series, I want to kind of help to hit the reset button on our relationships. Like, like this is going to be very practical. I'm going to encourage you to take some notes. There's going to be a lot of ground that we're going to cover uh, in this, this series. Uh, but here's why we're talking about relationships. How many of you know this last year has put strain and stress on relationships maybe like never before? We've spent more time together in quarantine, in close quarters. Many people are working together from home, and that's causing all kinds of stress. Now, some couples like are thriving in that context. I get it. But the far, the vast majority of them, like they're not thriving, they're barely surviving. Talk to any counselor that you know right now, and they're, they just, they're booked completely through the the week, every single week, because of all the stress and strain this season is placing specifically on marriages. So we need a reset. Are you with me? Like, how do we bring the love back? How do we have a a love that that lasts a lifetime? How do we we bring that that back? And so I'm calling this, this series Relationship Reset, and here would be the tagline. It would be a lasting love in turbulent times. That's what we need. We need to figure out how to love one another well even during the tough times so that you don't end up sleeping out in the rain, maybe just on the couch. Now, how many of you know there's a lot of things that change in life? The, the, the fashions change, um, trends change, uh, technology changes, uh, the way you look changes. Have you looked in the mirror lately, right? There's a lot of things that will change in this life, but there's one thing that will never change. You know what it is? It's God's never-ending undying, reliable love that he has for you. Like it never changed. Because he promises never to leave you or forsake you. There's no place that you can go to get away from the love that he has for you. No, no height, nor depth. Like there's no place you can go. That will never change. It is an everlasting love. That's what Jeremiah 31.3 says. Uh, this is what God tells us. He says, I have loved you with a, what? With an everlasting love. Like, that's how he, he loves us. It, the message version says, I've never quit loving you, and I never will. Now, let me just tell you something. If you don't yet have a relationship with God, that's what he's offering you right there. This unrelenting, this, this never-ending, this, this reliable love that's available to you at all times. God can never love you any less than he does right now, and he will never love you any more than he does in this moment. Did you know that? He loves you that way. It's an unrelenting, everlasting love, but he doesn't just stop there. He goes on to say in John 15, 12, that check this out, he commands us. This is not a request, this is not a suggestion. He says, so I command you to love each other. How should we love each other? 
the same way that I loved you. With that same kind of unrelenting, everlasting, you know, uh, undeniable love that I have for you. And I read that and I think, what? Like, really? Like, how do we do that? Is that even possible? See, many times we want the, the unconditional love that God gives us, but we want to extend to others a love based on conditions, do we not? Like, I want God's love for me to be unconditional, but you gotta earn my love. You gotta work for my love. He says, I command you, like, love each other the same way that I love you. And when I read that, I'm like, is that even possible? And if so, how do we do that? How do we do that when the divorce rate in America for, for first-time marriages is, is 43% for first-time marriages? How do we love this way with an everlasting love? For second time around, it's 62%. And then the whole third time's a charm thing, that does not apply because the third time around, it's 74% of those marriages get divorced. Is this even possible to love this way? Because the truth is, anybody can fall in love. Falling in love is the easy part, is it not? Falling in love is like falling in a ditch. Oops, I fell in love. <laughs> That's easy. But how many of you know it's a whole other story to stay in love? So how do we do that? How do we learn from God's word how to, how to stay in love? And the reason we do it and the reason we can learn to do it is because it involves choices. Somebody say choices. You gotta make tough choices in order to stay in love. And not just one time. Like every day, over and over, you have to make choices. And so this Valentine's Day weekend, I want us to look at those choices from God's word. Now, before we dive in, let me get, take a quick survey. How many of you in this room, by show of hands or online, doing an emoji hand or whatever, have been married 20 years or more? Would you just raise your hand? That's awesome. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about 30? 30 years. 30 years or more. Come on. That's great. 40, 40, we got some in the back, that's awesome. I wonder how high we're gonna go, 50? Oh, all right, 45, 42. All right, we're close. That's awesome, you guys, that's amazing. If I was to ask any of those couples that raised their hand, if it's been 20 years or more, has it been easy? What do you think they'd say? Like, of course not. It was not easy at all. It was, it was challenging. It was, was tough. Kristen and I, we celebrated 22 years of marriage this last year. And I woke up, yeah, that's awesome. And I woke up that morning and I said, hey, 22 years, boo, I love you. You know, I'm so proud of you. And she turned to me and she said, I'm tired of you too. I'm like, that's, that's not what I said. I know it's not what you said. All right, Whatever. Here's what I know. I know two things about every couple that raised their hand. Are you some sort of prophet? No. But I know two things. If you've been married that long, your love has been tested. It's been tested by, by disappointment. It's been tested by delays. It's been tested by disagreements. It's been tested by doubt. It may have been tested by, by debt. It may be tested by, by disease. You know, these are all the, the Ds, the big Ds that test our, our relationships. It's been tested by um, uh, depression, perhaps, or despair, or differences that you have, but they've avoided the big D. Don't mean Dallas, right? They've avoided that, and the reason they made it through all those other Ds is because they made tough choices every single day. Not, not easy choices, 
Not always a convenient choice in the relationship. They had to make tough choices because the fact is, write this down, love is a choice, not a feeling. Now, love can produce some great feelings, can it not? Produces great feelings, but love is not a feeling. It is a choice. If love were a feeling, God could not command us to love because you can't command a feeling. It's impossible. That would be like me telling my child who's, who's crying and upset, hey, I command you to stop crying and be happy right now. Doesn't happen. You can't force feelings. Are you with me? Love is not a feeling. It is a choice. It produces feeling, which means if you fell out of love, if you stopped loving, guess what? That was a choice you made because love is a choice. You can choose to love or you can choose not to love because love is a choice, not a feeling. Now, let me quickly say this. If you come from a broken relationship, a marriage that's been fractured, maybe a marriage that ended in divorce, here's what I want you to know. Um, this is not an indictment against your past. Uh, that, that just because you have a failed marriage does not make you a failure. That in God's eyes, again, he has an everlasting love for you. And your specific situation has layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon hurt upon hurt. And there's no way for us to dive into your unique specific situation. Just suffice it to say that God, again, has never loved you any more or any less than he does right now. And just because you come from a failed marriage does not make you a failure. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Let's just lean in. And from this day forward... Right? Let's learn what God wants to do to us. The enemy wants to condemn you of a past, of a mistake, of, of your sin. That's his role. He doesn't want you to ever feel like you can move on or grow or get better. But God's spirit in us challenges us, challenges us to, to do better, challenges us to, to grow. So here's what I'm asking you to do. If that's your, your background, just lean in. And let's just trust God to change us and take care of us from the inside out. How do we have this lasting love in turbulent times? We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 if you have your Bible. That, of course, is known as the love chapter. Uh, maybe you have read that or have heard it read at a wedding ceremony. It's read all over uh, all the time. But it gives us four things about love, four choices that we need to make. Here's what verse 7 says. Love never stops being patient and never stops believing, never stops hoping, and it never gives up. That's the kind of love that God has for you, by the way. A love that never stops being patient, that never stops believing, never stops hoping. He has that love for you. And that's the same kind of love that he wants you to extend to others. And so today I'm going to give you the first two choices that we have to make according to God's word when it comes to, to love. And next week, I'm going to give you the second two. So you got to come back. So boom, sucker, there it is. Like, you got to come back to hear part two of this. First choice you gotta make, write it down. We extend grace. If you want to grow a love that lasts for turbulent times, you need to extend each other grace. But how many of you know the longer you are together, the longer you are married, the more ungracious you become. The more we start to take one another for, for granted, the more critical we become of, of the other person. And again, if you want your, your marriage to survive, your relationship to, to thrive, you gotta choose to extend grace. You gotta be merciful. You gotta, you gotta just cut some people some slack from time to time. Are you with me? 
Like you gotta, you gotta uh, be uh, patient with one another, uh, choose to forgive. No marriage relationship or any kind of relationship will last without grace. It is impossible. Will last without forgiveness. Without, will last without a lot of patience and a lot of acceptance. Any long-term relationship you are in, you're gonna have to put up with a lot. Now, let's just admit, it's easy to extend grace one time. That's easy. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to forgive, but it's easier to, to do it one time, to give someone the, the benefit of the doubt one time than it is to do it over and over and over again. It's a thing that goes on, but God's word says love never stops being patient. It never stops extending this grace. The message version says love puts up with anything, anything. So when do I need to extend grace in a relationship? Let me give you three practical times. I want you to write these down, and these, these are choices that we have to make every single day. I need to extend grace when their flaws and their faults irritate me. Uh-oh, I heard a murmur. Mm. The longer you know somebody, the more you know their flaws, the more you know their, their faults. And in those moments, you have a choice. You can either choose to be critical or you can choose to be kind. You can choose to, to be picky, right? Or you can choose to show mercy. You can choose to be a perfectionist or you can be gracious. And the reason why grace is so essential in any relationship is because we are both imperfect. There's no such thing as a perfect person. You're a sinner and they're a sinner. It is ridiculous and foolish to think that two imperfect people can come together and make a perfect relationship. It's not possible. You don't create a, a perfect relationship. The whole you complete me thing, that's garbage. Like, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. I mean, they might, they might be a good match for you, but you're not gonna create a perfect relationship. So grace must be at the foundation of, of a husband and a wife, of a mom and a dad, of a brother and a sister, like any relationship that you have, we need grace. Proverbs 17, nine, I love this verse. It says, disregarding another person's fault, faults preserves love. Hey, when you let it go, when you cut some people some slack, like, it preserves the love that you have. I remember overhearing a couple ladies talking in our lobby after church one Sunday, and one lady saying, hey, do you remember when your husband, you know, did that? And she's talking about some time that her husband failed, made a mess of things. I don't know why she was bringing it up. She's just trying to start something. And I, I love the other woman's response. She said, yes, I distinctly remember forgetting that event ever happened. I love that. Like, I remember forgetting it on purpose because I'm extending grace, disregarding another person's fault, preserves the love. Ephesians 4.2 says, be humble and gentle by being patient with each other. And I'll listen to this, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Hey, when you're critical of other people's faults and flaws, like you're not being humble. You're not, you're not being uh, gentle. You're certainly not being loving, right? You're being prideful when all you do is, is pick about their faults and flaws. Love is patient. Love puts up with anything. Love is always ready to make an allowance. Can I tell you something? In any relationship you have, you are going to need a grace allowance. You're gonna need grace given to you and you're going to need to extend 
grace. In fact, my wife knows that there are two times every single week that she makes special allowances for me. The first is Saturday afternoon when I start to get PMS. That's pre-message syndrome. And I'm sweating it. I'm like, this is not good enough. These people need something better than this. God, you need to send somebody better that can do this than me. I don't know what's going on. I start sweating it. Even though I know it's not up to me that I'm just partnering with what God is doing here, I still sweat it. And so she extends me grace. The other time is on Monday after the weekend. I guess it's another PMS. It's post-message syndrome. (laughs) My point is she extends, she makes allowances for my faults and for my, my flaws, So we need to extend people grace in their faults and flaws when they irritate you, when they get on your your last nerve. Here's another time we extend grace to each other is when their words or actions hurt me. Write that down. Because here's the truth, we're all human. And again, we are all sinners and we are going to hurt one another. And sometimes it might be intentionally, but I'd say more often than not, it's, it's unintentional. Like we just say things that we don't think about. We, we do things that, that are thoughtless, that we're, not, we're, we're being selfish in, in the moment, and so we hurt one another. We're careless with our words and with our actions. And I was thinking about why do we do that? I think one of the reasons is, is because we just don't pay attention all the time. We're not recognizing uh, what's happening in other people's lives. In fact, you should write this down somewhere on your notes that grace listens. It pays attention. The reason why we hurt each other is because we're not really listening to one another all the time. God gave you two ears and one mouth, which means you should listen twice as much as you talk. Are you with me? But a lot of times we don't, we don't do that. Your first assignment of love is to be a great listener. In fact, the number one organ for, for showing someone love ain't what you think, perv. It's your ears, all right? You with me? That's what it is. It's the number one organ. When I listen to you and I look you in the eyes, what I'm communicating to you is that I value you. And when I communicate that I value you, that tells you that I I love you. The problem is we talk too much and we listen too little. And you cannot do both at the same time. There's a road um, right up the street, not far from here. Uh, those of you that are local, you'll know it's Hammett and Hershey. And I, the only reason I know this is because I used to take it you know, that way home all the time. There's a little depression there. And in the spring or in the summer, uh, if you roll down your window, like the bullfrogs are going crazy right there for some reason. Like it's just, a, it's, it's chaos. It's super loud. It's obnoxious. Like they're just, they're croaking like crazy. And do you know that when a bullfrog croaks, It has a a muscle in its throat that cancels out the frequency of their croak to their brain. So they cannot hear how obnoxious they are being. (laughs) They have no idea. Hey, we're a lot like bullfrogs. Like when all we do is talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and we never listen, we don't know how obnoxious we are being. The single greatest marriage advice I will ever give you is found right here in James. Take a look. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In fact, say that verse with me out loud. Here we go. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. One more time. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Like, if you really took that verse to heart, 
I bet that 95% of your arguments would not happen. The problem is we often get that verse in reverse, do we not? We are, we are quick to speak. We're slow to, slow to listen. We are quick to speak, and we're, we're quick to become angry with each other. Grace listens. Love listens. In fact, if you do these first two, quick to listen, slow to speak, like the third one is automatic. You are less likely to become angry. So I give grace when other people um, hurt me with their words or, or actions. And, and a lot of times people will take that hurt and they will stockpile that hurt for future ammunition for another conflict. Some people will take that hurt and they'll inventory it and they'll categorize it to when something else happens or I make a mistake, they'll bring up the old stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like, well, yeah, but remember when you did this. Remember when you did that. That's not love. In fact, the Bible tells us that love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Lasting love does not stockpile hurt for a future conflict. Proverbs 17, 9, the rest of that verse says this, love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Listen, if you want to hit the reset button on your relationships, one of the first things you have to do is to stop nagging. Can I tell you something? Nagging has never worked. Like It doesn't work. Nagging has never produced long-term change in anyone else's life. It might produce a temporary change out of guilt or whatever, but it has never been effective for producing long-term change. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work in your marriage. It doesn't work here at church. That's why I don't nag you. That's why I don't stand up here every single weekend and tell you all the ways that you're, you're getting it wrong and how bad you're doing. Well, how do you know what I'm doing? Are you some sort of prophet? No, it's called Facebook. <laughs> I see it. Like, it doesn't work. Nagging does not work. And I would much rather, like, focus on uh, not how you are missing the mark and how you are getting it wrong, but telling you what could happen. Like, I want to focus on, on not what you were, but what you could become. That's preaching for life change. That's, that's not nagging. That's encouraging. Nagging's never worked. In a relationship, in a, in a, with a parent or a child, it's never worked in school. It's never worked in the office. Nagging parts the best of friends. Proverbs 10, 12 says this, love forgives all offenses. That's extending grace. So I extend grace when your faults and flaws irritate me. I extend grace when your words and actions hurt me. Here's the last time we extend grace. Um, there are probably many more, but, but write this one down. When they sin. Your marriage partner is going to sin. Sometimes against you, sometimes against God, sometimes against others. They're gonna sin. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, let your love for one another be intense. I love that because love covers over a multitude of sins. Like it changes the environment, it just covers it when you love them with an everlasting love the way that God loves us. It doesn't make a big deal about it. It doesn't nag about it. It forgives. It covers a multitude of sins. Colossians 3.13 says, put up with each other and forgive each other. How do we do that? We do it as quickly and as completely as the Lord forgave you. How does God forgive? Quickly and completely. Let me tell you, a great marriage is simply the union of two great forgivers. Like, Kristen and I, we have a great marriage because she's a great forgiver. 
because I'm a great forgiver. Like you're gonna have to be able to forgive one another. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. It's, it's a marriage of two great forgivers that understand how easy it is to forgive the other person when they realize how much they have been forgiven. Now forgive as quickly and as completely as Christ has forgiven me. So the first choice that we see in, in 1 Corinthians 13 is that we are to extend grace. Just extend grace. Not one time, but over and over and over. It's a choice. Extend it when they irritate you. Extend it when they, their words and actions hurt you. Extend it when they sin. Love extends grace. Now let me quickly say this before we move on. Grace is not weakness. Grace is giving someone grace does not make you a doormat to get walked all over. Giving someone grace does not mean there will not be consequences to actions. Are you with me? Giving grace to someone doesn't mean that trust has not been broken a little bit, but giving grace to someone opens the door to your heart for there to be reconciliation. I've seen it over and over and over again. It's the same way, in fact, that Jesus gives us this free gift of grace. It opens the door for us to be reconciled to Christ. Give grace, give grace. Here's number two, the second thing I want you to write down. A love that lasts expresses faith. Again, in that verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it says, love never stops believing. I love this. And how, how many of you know when someone believes in you, it can change so much. Believes that, that you can do more than you thought you could ever do. Love never stops believing. Lasting love expresses faith. Here, here's what I'm talking about, that when you, when you really love somebody and you believe in them, it builds their confidence. It, it, it relieves the fears that they have. It allows them to become the best version of themselves. And again, this is a choice. Like you're choosing to trust. You're choosing to, to believe in them. Love never stops believing. The, the New Living Translation says it this way, love never gives up. It never loses faith. And I love that. Love just, it, it never loses faith, never loses trust. How many of you know trust and love go hand in hand? You can't have one without the other. They are two sides of the, the same coin. I'll say it this way. If you can't learn to trust people, then you will never be able to love them. And if you can't learn to trust people, you'll never be able to, to receive love. They, they go together. And a lot of times people think we have a love problem when in actuality what you have is a trust problem. They go hand in hand. They are two sides of the same coin. In fact, Delilah, you remember Delilah from the Old Testament, Delilah and Samson? Um, she got this right. She got a lot wrong. Delilah was Samson's girlfriend. Uh, actually, I, I use that term loosely. She was more like a hoochie mama, all right? That's what she was. She was deceitful, she was whiny, she was conniving, but she did get this one thing right. Look at Judges 16, 15. She says to Samson, Samson, we're Samson, Samson, how can you say I love you when you don't trust me? You can't do it. In fact, here's a great question for you to think about. Do you think it's wise or is it foolish to trust people? Think about it, because the way that you answer that question determines a lot about your future happiness. Is it wise or is it foolish to trust people? It was a question that was asked years ago in a magazine called Psychology Today. 
um, by a guy named Dr. Julian Rotter. He was from the University of Connecticut. And he did this study in an article called Trust and Its Consequences. He did this 35-year study on how, how trust impacts people's behavior, how it impacts their personality, how it impacts their relationships, and he developed this well-known scale for how, how much you trust and how well you trust. And here's what he discovered, that genuinely trusting people, so not gullible people, not, not cynical people, these are the, the trusting people, they were, number one, consistently less gullible than distrusting people, they had a higher IQ than distrustful people. They were far better adjusted psychologically than distrustful people, and they lived much happier lives. People who were genuinely trusting lived happier lives. Can I tell you something? You do harm to yourself when you are too distrustful. Time and time again, study after study shows right that you're actually better off to be too trusting than to be too distrustful. That's why God tells us love always trusts. It always trusts. It never stops believing. It expresses faith. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth, Nazareth in Mark chapter 6. And the Bible tells us that, that he went there to do miracles, but Jesus could not do many mighty works there. Talking about healing people, talking about miracles because of their lack of faith. Because they didn't trust him. Not because of Jesus' lack of faith. It didn't prevent him from doing miracles. It wasn't his lack of faith preventing them from getting the, the good blessings. It was their lack of faith. It was their unbelief, their lack of trust. When you uh, lack faith in someone, you limit them. You're limiting them. If that's true of Jesus, the Son of God, how much more true is it of you and me that when someone doesn't believe in you, when someone doesn't trust you, when someone doesn't feel like you can accomplish it or, or, or think the, the best about you, you don't feel as empowered, you don't feel as trusted, you don't feel as, as liberated to do all that, that God's called you to do. And when you don't trust them, you limit them. You hold them back. And God says, love, trust, love, trust. You wanna have a love that lasts? You need to trust your spouse. You need to build their confidence. You need to instill in them this, this faith. You need to show faith that you have in them. How many of you know when someone believes in you, you could do more than you ever thought you could do? It's so true. I remember uh, when Kristen and I got married, like, I think Kristen and I have been a pretty effective team. And we're an effective team, by the way, not because we're the most talented. I want you to know that. Like, we, we get it. We're effective because she believes in me and I believe in her. Because when we first got married, Kristen would, uh, uh, she would, she would be terrified to stand in front of a group of people. She was a super nerdy accountant. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She was never that. She always broke the stereotypical accountant mold. But she wouldn't stand in front of a group of people. You know, she, was, she wasn't shy, but she never wanted to get up. Where today, you know, I just, we just decided love believes in each other. She stands up before this church, before thousands of people communicating God's word with a boldness, right? <laughs> Sisterhood events, hundreds of women coming together because we just decided love believes in each other and encourages each other. It says, you go, girl. You got this. You can do it. And she's been able to do more than she thought she would ever do in this life. 
It's been the same way for me. Like when we first, you know, started dating years and years ago, 24, five years, something like that ago. Like I was, I was shy, a little bit shy around her for, for certain things. In fact, there's one thing in particular I was super shy about. Uh-oh. Was this. So when we first started dating, yeah, come on. Let's get it. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. When we first started dating, we were at this, this camp called Beulah Beach in Ohio, and she wanted me to sing to her a, a, a song to her. I'm like, I'm not singing to you. She's like, yeah, sing, sing me a song. I'm like, okay, I'll sing you a song. I got some old Garth Brooks. You know the river? So that's one of the first songs that I learned. And I only learned to play the guitar in college to like pick up chicks. That was it. So I just learned to play a little bit. She said, sing me a song. And I'm like, all right, I'll sing you a song, but you got to turn around and face the other way. Don't look at me. True story. And so I made her turn around. This is the first song I sang to her. I got to find this snow. Dream is like a river, ever changing as it flows. And a dream is just a vessel that must follow away. It goes, put your phones away. Trying to learn what's behind you. I see that. But never knowing what's in store makes each day a constant battle just to stay between the shores. You know the song? the river runs. All right, that's enough. That's enough of that. But that was... All right. <laughs> I have no idea what he said. <laughs> and then this was the first song that I wrote to her. The only song I wrote to her. Like 23 years ago. It goes like this. And it's Valentine's Day, so I'm going to score big tonight. <laughs> See the difference in my life. The day I met you, my future wife. All my heart to you I will give. For as long as we both shall live And I just can't wait to fall More in love with you every day All right, all right, that's enough of that. Let's get somebody... That's funny. That's funny right there. But it's going to be a good night at the Atkins house. <laughs> Happy Valentine's to me. No, um, what would your husband, what would your wife be able to accomplish if you just said, you know what? Like, I believe in you. Like, when we planted this church nine years ago, like, it was one of the scariest things we do, but I just remember saying, I think this is what we're gonna do. God's calling us to do this, and Kristen's like, it scares me to death, but I believe in God, and I believe in you. 
And look at what God's been able to do through that. Man, believe in one another. Love expresses faith to, to one another. In fact, here's what the Bible says in Romans 14, 19. Let us always be seeking the ways that lead to peace and the ways in which we can support each other. Colby, but I don't know if I can do that. They've let me down so many times. The Bible says love never stops losing faith. Ask any coach, and they will tell you if someone fumbles the ball, if someone messes up a play, the very the thing that you do right away is you give them the ball right back to help build their confidence to help them show you that this was just a fluke, this was just a mess up. Like love expresses faith. Well, Colby, my, my husband, my wife, they're not, they're not trustworthy. How do you make someone trustworthy? You trust them. How do you make someone a great leader? You give them an opportunity to lead. You gotta trust them. Love expresses faith. Now, here's what I know the pushback is, and I'm gonna end with this, that many of you, maybe that come from a broken relationship, something fractured, you might say, Colby, I just can't trust them at all. Like, they have... They have violated every rule in the book. My, my wife's violated every rule. My husband's violated every rule in the book. I can't trust them. You know what you do when you can't trust them? Here's your answer right here. You trust God. You trust God to change them. You trust God to do a work inside of, of their heart and in their, their life, and you give them to God. You say, God, you are greater than my spouse. God, you are greater than what's going on in this moment, and you decide before I give up on the relationship, I'm gonna give up the relationship to God. Are you with me? But you decide you're gonna give it to God. In fact, he wants you to. He asks you to give it to him. Psalm 62, eight says, trust God all the time. Tell him all of your problems because God is your protection. God's your protection. You can take it to him. You, you tell him your problems. Don't take it to your boyfriend. Don't take it to your girlfriend. Don't take it to that, that girl at work that you're sharing your problems with and your difficulties in marriage. Don't take it to that guy online on Facebook that you've reconnected with. You tell them to God. He is your protection. And allow God to do a miracle in the relationship and in their life. And I only say that because I've seen it happen so many times in this church. Marriages that were on the brink. I talked to a couple two weeks ago that said our relationship was ending, but then. Come on, but then. But then we walked through these doors, we encountered God, and now their marriage is better than it ever has been. I've known couples get divorced and get remarried to one another. Because God got a hold of their hearts. You tell God, God is your protection. He's your protection. Let's do this. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. God, I pray for all the couples in this room right now that you would begin to strengthen relationships, strengthen marriages. God, we just give them over to you. God, I ask that you would do a, a mighty work even in a season of, of doubt and depression and despair and disagreements. God, we just ask that right now, through your word, you begin to strengthen the family, strengthen the, the husband and the wife, God, together. And we ask for, for healing and miracles to happen in those that are broken right now. We, God, we just pray and beg in Jesus' name that you begin to draw them back together, draw them first to you and then to each other. Because it is a big deal 
to be the tangible expression of that everlasting love that you've commanded us to show to one another. And so God, we say thank you for the love you've given us. Help us to give that love freely, without conditions to those that we love the most. Help us in these next few weeks, God, just really understand what it means to love. We throw that word around. We've taken off the, the weight and the meaning of it. And so I just pray, God, that you begin to strengthen that. And we're praying right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, those of you online, even perhaps you've never understood the, the free gift of grace that God's given you. That everlasting love that he has for you, that's what's available when you decide you're gonna give up and you're gonna allow God to, to be the, the center of your life and allow his son's sacrifice on the cross, pay for your sins once and for all. You begin this relationship with God. You, you receive this unending, unrelenting love that he has for you every single day. He does not love you anymore, does not love you any less. And he loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much for you to stay that way. He has a plan and purpose for your life. And maybe you've never made that decision to trust God with your, your life. The Bible says as we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, we confess him as Lord, and we repent of our sins, that he will come in, make us new, power wash our souls, give us a fresh start, hit the reset button in our lives so that we can reset the relationships around us. Maybe that's your decision today. God's drawing you to him in this moment. Let me lead you in a prayer that does that. You can say something like this. Jesus, today, I give my life to you. I, I repent of my sin. I repent for going the wrong way. And God, today I'm coming home and I want to follow you. I want you to restore me, redeem me, give me that free gift of grace that you have for me. I confess you as Lord. Just tell him that I confess you as Lord of my life. And I believe that you rose from the dead, conquering the sin in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church, celebrate with those in the room or online. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.